0: and welcome back to the Forgotten Origins of Fairy Tales, the podcast where I look into the truth behind our best-loved children's stories. So the tale I'm discussing today is so popular that it's been made into films, cartoons, nursery rhymes, musicals, and stands as the most popular UK pantomime of all time. I don't mean to boast, but I actually played the lead role in my junior school play. Claim to fame right there. I'm talking, of course, about Jack and the Beanstalk. Just in case anyone's unfamiliar or just needs a quick reminder about the ins and outs of this classic, then I'm going to briefly summarise for you. Jack is a poor boy who lives in the forest with his mother. They survive only by living off of their cow's milk. They drink it and then they take the rest to market to sell. But one day when the cow, Milky White, doesn't produce any milk, Jack's mother panics and tells Jack to go and sell the cow at market for money and food. But when Jack is on his way to market with the cow, he meets a strange man who says that he has magic beans that grow really tall overnight. Intrigued, Jack decides to exchange the cow for the magical beans, and on returning home, he proudly shows them off to his mother. But she gets angry with Jack and throws the beans out the window and sends him to bed with no dinner. Sad and angry at himself, the boy falls asleep. But when he wakes up the next morning, he realises the beans have sprouted into a giant beanstalk overnight, travelling all the way up to the sky. Jack is curious as to what's at the top, so climbs up the beanstalk and walks across the clouds to find a giant castle. Jack enters the castle and sees a huge woman and politely asks her for some food because he hasn't eaten since yesterday lunch. The woman, taking pity on him, gives Jack some food, and he sits to eat it at the huge dining table. But just then her child-eating husband comes home, and Jack quickly hides in the oven. But once the husband falls asleep in a chair, Jack escapes the oven, steals a bag of gold, and runs out of the castle he then does this two more times stealing a goose that lays a golden eggs and a gold harp but the last time he travels up the beanstalk the giant husband sees jack as he's running out of the castle with the harp and chases after him furious once jack gets down the beanstalk he hacks at it with an axe causing the giant to fall to his death And Jack and his mother live happily ever after. Hmm. What have I left out of this summary? Oh yeah, probably the most quoted fairy tale line of all time. Fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he living or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to be my bread. But this famous line wasn't actually written for Jack and the Beanstalk. It was pinched from Shakespeare's King Lear. The villain Edgar exclaims, Fee Fo fi fum, I smell the blood of a Britishman. In Act 3, Scene 4. But even this wasn't the original. Not surprising, as Shakespeare borrowed a lot of his phrases and storylines. The earliest citation is from George Peel's play The Old Wife's Tale which was printed in England in 1595. Fee far fum, here is the Englishman. Conquer he that can, came from his Lady Bright to prove himself a knight and win her love in fight. And then a year later, English dramatist Thomas Nash used it in his work, Have with you to Saffron Walden. And he was the first to use the complete phrase, I smell the blood of an Englishman, that we know so well today and associate with Jack and the Beanstalk. So where does the rest of the story come from? Well, according to a recent article from the BBC, researchers at Durham University have linked Jack and the Beanstalk to The Boy Who Stole Ogre's Treasure, a collection of tales that can be traced back more than 5,000 years Some of these researchers have even surmised that these stories predate languages such as Italian, German and French. Guys, this tale could be older than the Bible. I'll give that a second to sink in. But because it was an oral story, we don't know that much about it, frustratingly. But we know that it varied from country to country, and we also have some idea about how it travelled. It's thought the tale started travelling around the world with the Vikings. As they invaded countries, they brought the tale with them, and when they left, it remained, not written down, but passed around orally. And it changed and grew as different societies changed and grew. But the first publication didn't come along until 1734, in the story of Jack Spriggins and the Enchanted Bean. It was one of six stories in J. Roberts' Roundabout Our Coal Fire or Christmas Entertainments, and it was released in London, England, costing one shilling. The next version of the fairy tale doesn't appear until 1804, when Benjamin Tabert published a collection of popular stories for young children, which included The History of Jack and the Beanstalk. But this was mainly sold in a children's bookshop in Soho, run by the radical political philosopher William Godwin, who allegedly saw the story as a representation of class struggle. Jack and his mother were meant to be the working labourers, and the giants were the aristocracy. But that never really took off as a theory. Tabert's publication differs from the one we know today in one key area morals. His story has a strong moral element to it. So before Jack ventures into the giant's castle and steals first the coins, then the goose that lays the golden eggs, and finally the golden harp, a fairy appears to him, telling him that all these things actually belong to him because the giant stole them from his father before murdering him. So this immediately makes it acceptable not only for Jack to steal these possessions back but also to murder the giant in retribution. So later editions such as George Crickshanks, I think I'm pronouncing that right but I can't be sure, but we're going to go with it. Uh, So George Crickshanks in 1853 went even further on this moral crusade. Jack's mother is praised for keeping her cottage clean and working hard, with the author even popping in the adage, it is not poverty which makes people dirty, but idleness and ignorance. The butcher who tries to dupe Jack out of the family's one remaining possession, their cow, is punished for his cruelty when he falls over, hurts himself and loses the cow, which he's just cheated Jack to obtain. Crunkshank even goes as far as to make the fairy say to Jack that he is being rewarded because he's now less idle and lazy. So there are some clear messages in there for children. It's not even subtle. The death of the giant was far more gory as well. Instead of Jack simply chopping down the stalk and letting the giant fall to his death, like in subsequent versions, the boy hacks the giant to pieces after he breaks his leg inside the pit. Yikes. But of course, all of this is deemed okay because the giant allegedly killed his father. Alrighty, George, whatever you say. But the best-known version of Jack and the Beanstalk was written and published by Joseph Jacobs in English fairy tales in 1890. The story I read at the start is the abridged version of his. Unlike Tabert and Cruikshank, Jacob gives no justification, well other than greed, for Jack to steal the giant's possessions and kill him. Folklorists believe this moralless tale is actually closer to the original oral ones. But the character of Jack also changes a lot from version to version. In Tabot's version, Jack seems to embody almost noble qualities and has been compared to classical characters such as Perseus, Hercules, Theseus, St George and Beowulf. But in Jacob's version of events, he's not such a hero. Jack is a simpleton constantly belittled by his sharp-tongued mother for being lazy and good for nothing. And that's certainly the version I was brought up with. So there you have it. Next time you go and see the latest pantomime or open a children's storybook, you'll know that this tale is over 5,000 years old and has far more interpretations than you first thought. Well, that's all for today. I hope you found it interesting. I certainly did this week. As I mentioned before, I'm taking a one-week break now, but we'll be back on September the 8th. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to follow me on my Instagram page, the Forgotten Origins Podcast. That's all one word, Forgotten Origins Podcast, where I post new content every week and will soon be releasing the designs for the new merch and please don't forget to recommend it to friends and family you think will also enjoy the show